Today's show begins with a simple question. Do you have a job or do you have a career? I just felt like I was, I was just in a sea of like possibilities, but none of the possibilities were really taking me anywhere that I was satisfied. I mean, even in school, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Just going, going around everywhere. How did she resolve this question? In a moment, we'll find out. Our guest is Terry Castillo, and today we're going to learn about her approach to serving and get her advice on finding where you want to be in your career. Welcome to Crummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. In this series, I'm talking with members of the Crummer community and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best career and business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Today's guest is Terry Castillo, Training and Development Manager for the Orange County Clerk of Courts and former PMBA Association Board Chair of Career Enhancement and Service. She's an advocate for education and seeks to be a thought leader and liaison in the community, and as such, she currently serves as the Vice Chair of the Osceola County School Board. She's also a recent graduate of the Crummer Graduate School of Business, graduating in 2021. Our first segment is called Service is Personal, and it lets us understand our guests' personal motivations for leading and serving. Terry Castillo, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you, JP? Nice to see you and hear you. Wonderful to have you here with us. Uh, we're going to start right out of the gate with philosophy of service. What do you believe when it comes to serving others? I believe that you become your best self when you are serving others. Uh, I, and I also believe that you should use your specific gifts, your specific talents in order to advance your, your own service. So for example, if you're really great at finance, right, you can still be of service and that is what you should use in order to, um, to advance your, uh, a, a specific cause. So where do your talents, where does your, uh, your education fit in? to the entire service ecosystem and then use that specifically to advance. So building off of what you just said, I want to understand what motivates someone to serve or specifically, I want to understand what motivates you, Terry, to serve. You know, for me, service has always been kind of part of, of who I am, just watching my grandmother be such a selfless person as well. But I think that in my particular case, I ran across a lot of people who took just a little bit of time, just a little bit of their skill set in order to guide me in the right direction. I shouldn't be where I am today. Statistically speaking, if you look at my background, I should not have the education level that I have. I should not have the stability that I have. Statistically speaking, I should be just another number. And the reason that I'm not is because someone, a few people took interest in who I was and they decided to be of service to me. And that is the reason why I believe that I am where I am today. So it's, it's taking the gifts that were given to you and then passing them along to the people who are next in line. It's a pay it forward philosophy for me, right? How do I pay back the people who took an interest in me? And 
And do you think that that is a common philosophy? What he, I'm, I'm challenging you. I'm trying to be challenging, Terry. Um, okay. <laughs> why, don't, why don't more people get involved in service? How can we make service more attractive? Well, for one thing, I think it goes back to my original comment about, you know, how, what is my service philosophy? I think that a lot of people think that service in general is just, you know, uh, volunteering at a soup kitchen on the weekends or, you know, doing something during Christmas for a less fortunate family. And if you just think about it that way, it could one seem disingenuous to some people. It's like, I don't, that's not necessarily what I want to do, but it could also be very taxing. Yeah. If you're every weekend out just doing volunteer work, it can be very taxing and it doesn't really fulfill you. But I think if you're focused on what do, what are my unique gifts and how do I use those specific gifts to give back, then you can actually, um, you know, just, it could just be an extension of, of the work that you're already doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, what you're pointing out to me is it doesn't have to be taxing for you to give up a little bit of your extra time if the fulfillment that you're getting from doing it offsets that you actually get energized from providing service. Absolutely. I do as well. Um, if I'm, if I'm really in alignment with what makes me happy, what lights me up. So for me, a lot of that has to do with education. So a lot of the service that I do with my community is in the realm of educating students, providing avenues for students to, to have, um, an easier way to, um, to find their their own passions, educating adults. Like so, for me, I love education, and so I have extended what I love into now using that as like my service philosophy, my service projects. If you're helping out someone or a group of people in your community that are they're down on their luck, right? A lot of times those people are participating in taking advantage of governmental services that, you know, that we all pay for. They're, they're, they're possibly not in the best place right now to be productive, you know, or, or you know they could be more productive in the future. And when you're helping them to get out of that situation, the entire community benefits because now you have someone who is much more stable and they're now able to give back. So just to summarize, this is great. Um, we're helping society, we're helping the local community, we're helping individual people in our community, and we're helping ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's both selfless and selfish. Yeah, whatever, whatever um, gets you to, to do service, I think it's great. Um, and yeah, you're right. There are many, many um, benefits to, to service. All right, let's talk about some specific examples of the service that you've gotten involved in. You have a regular nine to five job that is in local government in Orange County. You yes. are, while you were in school, you were participating in uh, the PMBA board. And in addition to that, you are serving on the school board of Osceola County. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it, it, it's just not lost on me that you are someone who likes to get involved and make a difference in the community. Would you say that there are differences in the ways that you serve in, in these different um, boards or these, you know, the, the different entities that you participate in? I think, I think that there, they are different just because of the roles that I play in each one of these specific um, areas that I work in. Right. So PMBA chair that was very organic, very 
collaborative and I wanted to make sure that there was a lot of input from the people that I was serving, which in that case was, was my, my cohort, my peer group, right? At my job with Orange County Clerk of Courts as a training manager, I have a lot of responsibility with creating a vision of how our training is going to impact every other department. So in a lot of um, the conversations that I have day in and day out, I'm a consultant to other divisions, but I'm also um, an advisor. And so again, different sort of conversation. At the school board, it is really kind of a layered approach because on the one hand, you know, we kind of sit at the top of the organizational chart. I mean, the voters are above us, right? But when it comes to the organization of the board, we kind of sit on top of that. So the kinds of questions that we ask are very, very different. But again, for me, every question, whether it's a business question, a finance question, a talent management question, which is everything that we deal with, I always think about, great, how does this help our students? Because that's that's who I think is my boss, right? So coming from so many different angles, um, and there, there have been times that I was wearing all three of those hats in one day. Mm-hmm. You made it very clear for me that you can serve in many different arenas, but you might be playing a different role in every single one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, (gasps) Thank you for that. Our next topic is about your backstory, and this gives us a chance to get to know you and to understand your early business influences. We're going to start with some short answers to some short questions. So, Terry, where were you born and raised? I was born in Miami, Florida, and I spent most of my childhood there. And I moved to Kissimmee, Florida when I was 16. Okay, somebody's listening and they're thinking, what neighborhood in Miami? Hialeah, of course. Hialeah, okay. <laughs> um, what generation do you identify with? Oh, controversy. I am technically an elder millennial. That is the truth. That is what we are considered, early 80s babies. But we have created our own niche which is the Xennial generation. So, so we're in the betweeners, yeah. Part X and part millennial. Yeah, part X, part millennial. I love it when you can sort of claim your sliver of a generation, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Tell me about your parents' occupations. So my mom in Miami worked at a factory. She worked at a dress making factory. They made really fancy dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a fashion house, but I think as I've become older, I've realized that it wasn't really a fashion house. Okay. Um, and my dad, a very bohemian uh, musician, he was a musician for most of my life. And then once we moved to Central Florida, he actually started driving buses as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you have early career aspirations when you were young and growing up in Miami? Yeah. So Miami is such an eclectic city and obviously because my dad was so into the arts himself, I thought I was going to be an actor. I went to a magnet school in Miami that focused on arts and my, my major at the time was theater. I thought I was going to be the next big thing. (laughs) That's what I, I originally wanted to do, but I've decided after kind of 
having a conversation with myself that I didn't want to risk um, being a starving artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to come back to that because I know there's there's one little bit of your backstory that we want to dive into. And that is that you had an influential role model. Is that a good mm -hmm. way to describe? Oh, my hero. <laughs> yes, hero. of course. Absolutely. Tell us about that. And, and this takes us outside of Florida, right? It takes us outside of the country, actually. So one of the interesting things about being a first-generation American, I think other first-generation Americans might um, might have this experience is that you still have very strong ties in the country of origin of your parents. And my parents are from Dominican Republic. A lot of times when things were not going well for us here in the States, they would send my brother and I over to Dominican Republic. So it was either a, a summer, they extended summer vacation while my parents got on their feet, or even during the year when they just were not able to, you know, afford certain, certain things. So I spent a lot of time in Dominican Republic with my grandma and, um, <laughs> she lived in a, in a neighborhood where she was the school operator. Right. And her house was actually a school as well. Yeah. So we would be in the house and around us, there was class going on <laughs> throughout the day. You have different grade levels in the first level. And then at the top, you had the secondary um, students. So they were high school and above. So it was a really interesting uh, experience to have a grandmother who was a teacher. She was also the school operator. And she was, I would say, an entrepreneur because she was hustling all the time to make the best use of, of her facilities. And what kind of community was this? This was city or country? So we were in Santo Domingo, which is the capital of Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. So very, very city, bustling, you know, uh, it was a bustling town. It was bustling, very fast paced, I think, as well. So she, she was serving the neighborhood. She was serving the neighborhood because in Dominican Republic, there is public education now. So I don't want to, you know, misspeak. But back when I was growing up, the public school system was not as strong. It is stronger now. So I have to admit that. But it wasn't before. It, everything was far away. There's no transportation for students to go from like this neighborhood to that neighborhood. So there was, you know, the schools that were available were typically operated by someone in the neighborhood. She was one of the lucky few people that had some kind of, of income that was steady, right? Most people didn't in that neighborhood. And she knew that she was one of the only people in the radius to provide education. So then how do you make the money to continue operating the school? So <laughs> she would rent out the rooms in the school after school hours to other people. So at night there was um, people getting their um, learning how to be secretaries. And so that teacher would rent that room, that facility, and she would take a cut of the tuition. Uh, there was a karate teacher. <laughs> That's how I got introduced to karate because the karate teacher was teaching in the back as well. So again, he would come get those students, rent out the room, and she would get a cut of that as well. So she was a little entrepreneur. <laughs> also, yeah, besides being an educator, she was an entrepreneur. She's a, a definitely a 
a service role model. Uh, I'm going to challenge you with this thought. If you could sum up what you learned from observing your grandmother, what's the lesson? Your life is in service of others. Mm -hmm. That really is what I learned from her. You know, she wasn't rich. She never said no to someone who was asking her for help. She had people living with her that were kicked out of their homes because of whatever reason. And, and it was typically young women. And those young women worked at the house and then they were educated. And then they went out and worked and brought her back, you know, funds to help her out. So you could see the circle of service kind of helping out the community and her like little ecosystem, but she was always willing to help someone, especially if they were down on their luck. Like Doña Luz's house <laughs> was a place you want to get better. Yeah. That's the source of the inspiration. Yeah. Our guest is Terry Castillo, and when we come back, we're going to learn more about her career in education. Stay with us. As a member of the Crummer community, you know that it's the people you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I want to tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide, and it's available right now. Please go to rollinsconnect.rollins.edu, check it out, and if you need someone to connect to, connect to me, J.B. Adams. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Crummer Connections. I'm J.B. Adams, and our guest is Terry Castillo, Vice Chair of the Osceola County School Board, Training and Development Manager for the Orange County Clerk of Courts, and former Chair of Career Enhancement and Service on the PMBA Board at the Crummer Graduate School of Business. So Terry, before the break, we were talking about your grandmother, who was someone who served as a role model for you, not only in service, but also as an educator. So tell us about your career in education. You said that you were in a series of corporate jobs, but there was a moment when something really clicked for you. Yeah. So like you said, I was just working corporate job, corporate job, corporate job. And then I... What was in when, when you were in those early corporate jobs? A lot of customer service work. I worked for vacation. You know, we live in, in Central Florida, so there was a lot of vacation rental places uh, for bigger, bigger companies, of course, very well-known companies. And then I think what happened was I was in school studying like digital media or something. And I was like, you know, I think it will be really interesting to work for Apple. Mm -hmm. So I applied with my knowledge on computers. And I really had limited knowledge at that point. And for some crazy reason, they hired me. And um, during my time with Apple, at one point, they asked me to start teaching. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, you're so good with customers. You should consider becoming a creative, which is their, um, their training department, basically. It's have really cool names for everything. And as a result of that, they sent me to Apple headquarters, which is in California. And we took a course on what I know now is adult learning theory. At the time, I didn't know what it was. And I was like, wait, what? This is a thing? Like I can make a career out of being a corporate teacher. I can make a career out of this. Um, it was such an inspiring time to go there too. It was like at the height of like Apple's popularity. 
and just getting to spend time with people from around the country who were doing the same thing. And knowing that for me, it wasn't just like, I didn't have to be like an expert in technology to help people understand how to use their systems better. And I was, I was just blown away with what I could do with this. Can I, can I dig a little deeper on that? Because you and I had a parallel track where I remember discovering training at Disney university and, and thinking the exact same thing that you just said, this is a really a thing. And I didn't know that this existed and I could make a career out of it. So it was a revelation. What does it do to a professional when you find that aha moment of like, this could be my thing? What, What does it do for you after that? Yeah, I got so focused where before I just felt like I was, I was just in a sea of like possibilities, but none of the possibilities were really taking me anywhere that I was satisfied. I mean, even in school, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Just going, going around everywhere. Um, but it was, it was just like that moment where you're like, oh, this is what I'm good at. And this is where I can benefit people. So you just became, I just became very, very focused on where I wanted to go. And actually it took a little bit longer than just Apple. Like Apple was like the first taste, but, um, it, you know, it was what set me on track, but even then I was still kind of like floundering around and I finally get it, gave up and said, ah, this is it. I'm, I'm going to stay married to training. <laughs> yeah, I can totally relate. So, uh, <laughs> for anyone who's listening, who is still trying to figure it out, what's the takeaway? What advice would you give? Not to, like, we're not saying that everyone should go into training. That's what works for sure, us. Sure. Yeah. Someone who's searching, what advice would you give to them? So, you have to pay attention to what makes you smile. That's a great indicator to the fact that you're in the right path. Aha, what makes you smile. That is something that each one of us needs to pay attention to. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to your best business advice. So this segment is devoted to uh, just an examination of your career and your experience with business and just advice that any professional could use. Yeah. So thinking about career advice and what I think has really helped me. Um, the last semester that I was with Kramer, we read a book called the hard thing about hard things. And in that book, there was a, a story, a chapter about the right kind of ambition. I don't think that's what it was titled, but that's what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in my you know, earlier career years, I just wanted to be someone's boss. I didn't care. I was like, how do I become someone's boss? And that was my quote unquote ambition. Right. But the moment that I started focusing on how does Terry's experience and talents help grow an organization, help grow a person. That's the moment when my ambition was just amplified Mm -hmm. for the right reasons. And I can tell you that it has made such a difference in the way that I show up to work, but also in the way that people see me. And now I'm seeing so much, like my results are so much better. So I think really focusing on how do you help other people instead of how do you help yourself? It sounds really cliche, but I promise you that is probably the, the best thing that I could have ever done for myself is how do I help others? Um, 
And then again, just focusing on where you can use the gifts that you already have in order to expand a strategic plan, in order to expand a goal and kind of insert yourself into those conversations as best you can. And do not underestimate the power of a network. Who knows who you are? Who knows what you can do? Who knows what you have done? Because those people who know you best are going to be talking about you in rooms that you are not able to get into yet. Exactly. And that's going to be your next like career plan, your next big opportunity. That's how it's going to happen. All right. I'm, I'm going to summarize and then I'm going to ask for your reaction. Yeah. Just to see if there's like, maybe there's some more uh, additional nuggets that we could uncover. Sure, sure. So the first thing that you said was about the reasons why, clarifying the reasons why. And that's powerful to me because it's the difference between I'm doing this for myself or I'm doing this to help other people. And when you flip that switch, it opens up the whole world for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I would like, what I would add is when you're doing it for selfish reasons, people can tell. Mm -hmm. They really can. Yeah. And when you do it for selfless reasons, they can also tell, and they're more inclined to help you find additional opportunities or to give you more responsibility or to help move you forward because they can tell you're doing it for the right reasons. So that's yeah. my interpretation of that one. Do you have a reaction to that? No, that's absolutely right. And the fact that a lot of times like, I didn't know that for a while, I was just like, I'm ambitious. <laughs> it didn't work out that well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to me, that is sort of an, an aha moment. Bring your strengths and your skills to whatever it is that you want to volunteer for. To me, that builds right off of what you just said prior to that. Yeah. Doing it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. So again, you're not doing this for selfish reasons. You're, you're asking yourself, what gifts can I bring to this relationship in order to move things forward in the most effective way possible. So again, I'm not just saying, hey, I've got extra time. No, it's I've got extra time and these gifts. Yeah, because that's a win-win situation for the service project you're doing as well as for you, because I could want very much to, you know, volunteer in a play. It's singing. I don't know how to sing. What does it matter if I'm doing it for free if it's not effective? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So sometimes people do things, quote unquote, for fun. Yeah. When you do service, it it might be for fun, but it's to make your community better. Yeah, it's not for fun for the people you're serving. They yeah. really need services. Yeah. Yeah. And to use your analogy, you might be singing in the play and that could be fun for you, but it may not be fun for the audience. So. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I didn't mean you're singing specifically, Terry. No, you do. Trust me. I'm not good. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Terry, we're about to wrap up our time together. Uh, and as we wrap up, what message would you like to give to the Crummer community today? I, I'm just so proud to be part of this community. Um, and I take that very seriously. So decisions that I make, uh, ways that I speak, places that I go, I know that I'm not alone. I'm representing Crummer in everything that I do. And I'm so, so proud to be part of this community and so privileged to have been able to, to study here and then use my gifts every single day in the service of others. Terry, it was a great pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. Thank you. 
Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and begin the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Crummer Connections podcast series is a production of Victor Media Group. If you like this show, follow us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show was created and hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Our showrunner is Kyle Sawyer with production assistance by Rachel O'Brien and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.